Welcome to ACP's podcast, Inside the Lab, where we discuss anything and everything that concerns today's laboratory professionals and pathologists. My name is Dr. Loti Malder. I'm the Director of Leadership and Empowerment at ACP, and I'm one of your hosts. Hi, I'm Allie Brown, and I'm another one of your hosts. I am the Chief Officer for Medical Quality at ASCP, and I am a pathologist. Today, we're talking about ASCP's involvement with the American Medical Association, or the AMA. The ASCP Institute for Science, Technology, and Policy works with our various commissions, councils, and the board of directors to oversee the development and review of public policies that benefit pathologists, lab professionals, and of course, our patients. ASCP is committed to developing public policies that not only improve the public's health through the practice of laboratory medicine, but also represents the interests of its membership. One of the ways that ASCP participates in public policy is through our delegation to the AMA. ASCP consistently monitors AMA communications around important policy and legislative actions. We sign on to about 10 to 12 letters per year that have policy implications for pathology and laboratory medicine practice. In addition, through our delegation, we diligently monitor and report back to membership on any AMA policy changes and impacts. Today, we are joined by three of ASCP's AMA delegation members. And we're going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves today. Dr. Finn? Hello, I'm Will Finn. I'm a pathologist from Michigan. I currently serve as the medical director of the Joint Venture Hospital Laboratory System in Michigan. I'm also an adjunct faculty member at the University of Michigan, and I'm a past president of ASCP, and I'm honored to be part of the ASCP's AMA delegation. Hi, Jennifer Stahl. I am an anatomic and clinical pathologist with subspecialty expertise in gynecologic pathology. I practice at Hospital Pathology Associates, a large private practice group in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, everybody. My name is Cliff Sullivan. I'm a pathologist down in Atlanta, Georgia, Emory University. I do clinical pathology focusing on transfusion medicine and HLA, and I run our cellular therapy lab here at Emory, as well as co-direct the HLA laboratory. Thanks, everybody. First, I need to get a little housekeeping out of the way. CME and CMLE will be available for listening to this podcast in the ASCP store. The American Society for Clinical Pathology is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education to provide continuing medical education for physicians. ASCP designates this enduring material for a maximum of one AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Physicians should only claim the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in the activity. So folks, let's talk about what exactly is the AMA. Some of our listeners may be non-physicians, so they may not be entirely familiar with the AMA, although I feel like the AMA is so broadly known, everyone kind of knows what knows what it is. So Dr. Stahl, what do you think? What is the AMA? How would you describe that to folks who may not be familiar? The AMA, or American Medical Association, is a professional association and lobbying group of physicians and medical students. They're mission is to promote the art and science of medicine and the betterment of public health. We do that through many avenues within the AMA and even within the ASCP. Twice a year, the AMA convenes a meeting of the House or Delegates, or HOD, to establish policy on health, medical, professional, and governance matters, as well as the principles within which the AMA's activities are conducted. 
The House of Delegates, or HOD, is composed of representation from over 190 states and specialty medical societies, as well as other critical stakeholders within the House of Medicine. During these meetings, there are approximately over 600 voting delegates and an equal number of alternate delegates who meet to discuss and vote on hundreds of different resolutions that cover a broad range of issues that affect many areas, including legislation, medical education, medical service, and science and public health, amongst others. That is a lot of activity. So how many delegates do we have at ASCP? So the ASCP has currently has three delegates and three alternate delegates within the HOD. The size of our delegation is actually determined by the number of ASCP members who are also AMA members. Thus, the dual membership in ASCP and AMA broadens pathology's influence within the larger house of medicine. Oh, I didn't realize that. So it would behoove our members, really, if they want pathology to be heard more, is especially to also be an AMA member. Just being an ASCP member is sort of step one. Absolutely. And even if you're not in, interested in being intricately involved with the AMA and going to meetings, just being a dual member is a way of being involved because it gives us more representation and maintains our status within the AMA. So, Dr. Finn, who are our delegates? Uh, We've got three of you guys here. Are you guys, any of you alternate delegates? Are you the full delegates? Well, let's see. At the moment, uh, if I'm not mistaken, our our full delegates are Dr. Ed Donahue, who uh, isn't here today, but is the longest serving delegate uh, for ASCP. Um, I think Dr. Stahl and also Dr. Jim Weiscarver are round out our delegation for the three delegates. We have three alternates as well. Uh, Dr. Sullivan, who's here with us today, uh, Dr. Steve Croft uh, from Wisconsin, and myself. So in total, we have six in the delegation with the three delegates and the three alternates. The AMA kind of reshuffled or reorganized its representation model several years ago to balance out representatives from states versus specialty societies. And in that reorganization, ASCP's representation actually expanded. For years, we had one delegate and one alternate. And um, Dr. Donahue actually has served for, I believe, over 20 years uh, as the main ASCP delegate. So those of us who are a little more junior to the delegation uh, fondly refer to him as the dean of the ASCP AMA delegation. He um, has a tremendous amount of experience representing ASCP to organized medicine. When I first started practice in the late 80s, early 90s, I was in Chicago and he was first the assistant and then the chief medical examiner uh, for Cook County in Chicago. He did that for many, many years, then moved to Georgia to work as a medical examiner with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And in that time, he actually served, I believe, as the president of the Medical Society of Georgia and actually served as the speaker of their House of Delegates. So he has tremendous familiarity with the model of the AMA House of Delegates and how to get our voice out there to uh, the House of Medicine. So We owe Dr. Donahue a great debt of gratitude, and he remains a uh, key member of our delegation. Our representation at ASCP within the AMA, in addition to those delegates and alternates in the HOD, uh, we also have representation in the Young Physician section, or the YPS as we call it, which is a, a section composed of members who are either 10 years out of training 
or under 40 years old, whichever one comes later. And we have two spots there. And Jen and I function as the YPS representation from the ACP. And then we also have representation um, in the RFS, or what we call the uh, residents and fellow section. Dr. DeRosa is our current delegate. And something else I would just like to add about the AMA in addition to policymaking that I don't know if everyone knows, but they are the ones that publish JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. And JAMA is a pretty big, you know, well-known medical publication. And then we all, uh, the AMA also publishes and maintains the, the current procedural terminology codes, the CPT codes. Yeah, so which are important for us as pathologists. That's kind of how we get paid, right? So yeah, that's a big responsibility for the AMA to do as well. And so how did each of you get involved with the AMA? Well, I've been involved with the AMA for over 15 years now. My AMA journey began pretty early in my life. Um, my father was an OBGYN who had a very strong interest in advocacy. So I grew up watching his involvement with organized medicine through the AMA and through uh, the Indiana State Medical Association. So when I began medical school in 2006, I immediately went to the AMA booth during the activities fair because I did not know what specialty I wanted to go into and found it to be a great organization to be involved with. I was active within the AMA medical student section throughout medical school. And when I began residency, I continued my involvement with the AMA resident and fellow section. My continued involvement with the AMA through pathology is actually in part thanks to Dr. Fenn, who nominated me for the ASCP resident council. And that's how I became involved with the AMA through the ASCP. And we're very glad you did that. Well, I'm extremely thankful for that nomination to the resident council because I was searching as a resident for a way to get back involved with the AMA. I took a small break between medical school and residency, and I wasn't sure how to get back in. And the ASCP really opened that door for me, and I was very excited to jump right back in. I uh, I got involved somewhat later than Jen did, ironically. I, I did recommend her to... Uh, run for the resident council, which he did at the time. I actually got involved with AMA more seriously after I had served on the board of ASCP for nine years and served as president for a year. A few years or a couple of years after that, the AMA changed, as I mentioned, the, the organization of the House of Delegates that expanded ASCP's presence from one delegate to three and from a delegation of two to a delegation of six. So I was asked at that point to take more of an active role in the AMA delegation. I'm very glad I did that. I had been involved somewhat in the policy side of things in my governance functions through ASCP, but I had never represented that to the broader kind of community of medicine through the House of Delegates. And I've been very grateful for that. I didn't have any involvement with AMA as a medical student. I actually got my involvement when I was a resident. So back in the day when I was chair of the ASCP resident council, one of the duties of the chair was to attend the AMA meeting as your, as the ASCP delegate to the, or alternate delegate to the resident fellow council or resident fellow section. And I actually got to go two years in a row because the chair, when I was chair elect, couldn't go. So I went twice and I was a little overwhelmed at first because I wasn't familiar with the structure or the organization. 
and especially the parliamentary procedures that they follow at the meetings. But I was really lucky. I had great mentorship of Dr. Stahl, who had vast experience since medical school. And I really fell in love with it. I was always involved in student government as in high school. And then when I was in college, I was on the college council. And it really reminded me a lot of that just on a grander scale. And so once I went and I went those two times, I was fortunate enough that we got another seat on the YPS and I was asked to join the young physician section on behalf of the ASVP. And that's how I got involved. And what exactly does it entail to be an AMA delegate? And then is there any difference in responsibilities between being a delegate and then an alternate delegate or are the roles the same? I think the entire delegation, the the delegates and the alternates have to be prepared. It's kind of like the next man up uh, sort of philosophy on a football team. You know, we all have to be ready to run in from the sideline and, and cover on the House floor where needed. Uh, with respect to like discussing policy and ASCP's positions and the members' voices and the broader community of pathology and pathologists and lab professionals, I think there's, there isn't really a difference in the deliberations there. The alternates and the delegates get together with alternates and delegates from other societies in pathology, and we try to appropriately and, and dutifully represent the voice of, of pathology in that process. When it comes down to the nuts and bolts, the delegates themselves are the ones who do things like voting for officers in the AMA itself and voting in AMA elections and things like that. But at any given time, an alternate may be asked to sit in for a delegate. Some of the alternates may be assigned specific categories of issues that are being discussed on the floor and may uh, be assigned to sit in during those times and things. From the deliberations and policy standpoint, there's very little difference. Yeah, we really try on our delegation to kind of share the responsibilities. As I mentioned, like during these meetings, we discuss, we vote on hundreds of resolutions. So if you can imagine, that's a lot of material to look into the background, get opinions on, formulate consensus. So we really take those hundreds of different resolutions and have various assignments to reference committees where the deliberations and debates happen on these different issues. I would echo that the expansion of our delegation has really been to our advantage as we can have individuals with various backgrounds be part of the delegation and they bring that expertise to the table. Um, so it's really been an amazing collaboration and it's a lot of fun. It's intense at times. As Cliff mentioned, everything's run by strict parliamentary procedure, which I think is very overwhelming at first. But there are so many people in the AMA who have been involved at various levels that no matter when you decide to jump in and become a part of it, there's always individuals who are there to help you along the way. It definitely, as Cliff said, you know, it's kind of similar to the youth in government and different issues. So I definitely recommend it to anyone who would be interested in something to the, like that. I think they covered it pretty well in terms of, you know, what we do on the delegation and as our functions as alternates and full delegates. Besides discussing the policy, we have opportunities to serve on different committees and in different caucuses. So there are different reference committees and those reference committees discuss the 
the resolutions and groups that are related to each other. And that's where really a lot of the discourse goes on before we go into the House of Delegates to vote. And not only do you get to participate in the discourse, but if you want, you can volunteer and be on the uh, the reference committee who will then make the ultimate recommendations to the House of Delegates based on the discourse that happened in that in that reference committee. Yeah, my head is spinning just hearing about all of this activity. It sounds like it's a really busy thing to be involved in and a lot of opportunity to do different things that you might find really fulfilling. So what what are the most rewarding parts of being an AMA delegate? So for me, it's really been the lifelong friendships and connections that I've made. You know, as you discussed, there's so many different things going on. And one of the strengths, especially within the pathology section council, we have so many experienced individuals that already have built connections amongst other specialties. So I think for me, it's really that collegiality that you build between friends and other fields. And those go beyond the two meetings a year, which are nice when things, um, when issues arise during the year, you know, while we meet two times a year, we all know that tackling hard issues in medicine doesn't happen just during those two times. So having those lifelong friendships and that you build during the AMA meeting can be helpful as issues arise, you can reach out to others and try to garner support from other specialties to approach issues real time, which as we all know with COVID, that was certainly an issue for everyone within medicine. I'm with uh, Dr. Stahl on that one. The the relationships you build within pathology and beyond pathology to other specialties, you get a feel for the regional as well as the specialty-based priorities of physicians who are out practicing. It's just very fulfilling to get that kind of networking and get a feel for the broader voice of medicine. I just love the energy. Every every time you go, everyone's super excited. We have them every six months. And when you get together, it's kind of electrifying. People really already know which resolutions they're really going to delve into based on their either their interests or their expertise. You know, I'm always on the lookout for either like a blood bank or a transplant related resolution that's been brought up. So um, I can feel like I'm contributing what I know most about. Yeah, the personal relationships you make are great. And you know, in our own pathology delegation, but just people from all around the country hearing different opinions. And it can be really entertaining as well. When you hear the discourse, it can get heated at times. So it can be fun. The AMA drama. <laughs> AMA drama. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you know you you know which you know which resolutions are going to be going to be contentious, right? Yeah. So what you do is that if you're in one reference committee, but you know, there's going to be something going on in another one, you like go back and forth and you're switching between <laughs> the ones so you can hear that what's going on. I mean, yeah. I, I, they're long hours. I mean, when you go to a meeting, they're all day. I mean, yeah. you're, you're there all day, but I, I would say for the most part, it's almost always fun. There's very few points where you're like checking your watch or just staring at your phone because there's always something going on. I think as both Jen and Cliff alluded to, it, it takes some getting used to to the uh, the very rigorous adherence to parliamentary procedure that's practiced in, in the House of Delegates. But once you get used to it, you realize that it's not only designed to, to but it achieves uh, giving everyone their voice. It is an incredibly packed agenda 
for a, either a two or three day meeting, depending on, you know, the time of year. But it can be achieved because the systems are truly built that if anyone wants to have a voice on any issue, there is a pathway for them to do that. But meanwhile, there still are efficient means to get the agenda moving. So once you kind of navigate that, what seems like a little bit odd and very formal parliamentary procedure, you do realize that anyone who wants to have a voice who sits in that house can have a voice in that house. And that's pretty satisfying, actually. That that feels like you're giving a voice not just to your own specialty, but obviously to all of our patients and also crossing specialties to the commonalities among all medical professionals. It's it's really kind of an interesting experience that way. Well, and to that end, how do you feel pathology as a specialty overall is represented within the AMA? And then uh, could you explain a little bit more about the importance of that representation? Yeah, I mean, pathology, as everyone listening to this probably knows, is represented by many different societies. I mean, ASCP is a tremendous organization that I've been volunteering for for 30 years or so. Um, but there are other voices in our specialty. And many of us here, maybe all of us here are, are, are members of, of multiple pathology societies. Those societies, based on their AMA rep- uh, membership, are given their own seats in the uh, AMA House of Delegates. So together, all the societies that do have seats in the AMA House of Delegates form what we call the Pathology Section Council or the PSC. And that meets before and during each AMA meeting to amplify the voice of pathology and lab medicine to the AMA. So instead of having three delegates and three alternates and two, you know, YPS delegates and one resident delegate, for ASCP, we actually amplify that through all of the other pathology societies so that the pathology section council is a dozen or more uh, individuals, I think, really trying to hear the voices of our membership and try to amplify those voices to the AMA. And how is that pathology voice received? Um, You know, I kind of think about how things work sometimes in hospitals and we have these stereotypes and surgeons are kind of loud and they're heard the most and this and that. But how does it work in the AMA? I mean, the AMA is an, is a very egalitarian system. If you want your voice to be heard, it is heard. What happens sort of organically, and um, you know, others should chime in on their experience, is that you you learn fairly quickly which delegates like to hear themselves talk more than others, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, and but that becomes part of the culture of the house itself. It's it, it's invariably well received. It's invariably collegial. And as Cliff mentioned, the the debates can get a bit heated, but the respect is always there. So the voices that sort of tend to, you tend to hear more on the House floor are not really based on specialty or sector. They're just based more on who's sort of more comfortable and more used to that sort of role on the floor. Ultimately, though, I, I really see the model as very egalitarian. I feel the pathology section council has a lot of respect within the house of medicine. And while we may not be as vocal on the floor of the house, I think there's a lot of behind the scenes work that happens and delegations will come to us with issues that may be laboratory related and they seek out our opinion as well as when there are laboratory specific issues 
on the floor, we uh, we speak strongly towards those, but we also reach out with our connections to other delegations to represent the voice of laboratory medicine and pathology. And that's where having experienced delegates like Dr. Donahue is absolutely critical to our delegation because he's built those avenues and those connections. And even if you're new to the delegation, he shows you the ropes and he helps us be stronger as the ASCP delegation and as a pathology section council. And I'm going to brag on Jen since she's been there since medical school. And there's a lot of other people that have been there since medical school. They've built these lifelong friendships and relationships. So we had, I mean, I won't get into the details of the resolution, but we had a resolution that was lab related and we thought it was going to be a little contentious, but Jen, you know, knowing her network, having her network, she was actually able to kind of during the pre HOD deliberations and the reference committees, you know, go talk kind of wheel and deal, if you will, because it can get kind of political and explain pathology stance. And it actually ended up being non-contentious at all, but largely in part due to the work that Jen did within her network. So just a little bragging on her and just shows you how important those relationships are during policymaking. That sounds like a great way to hone your skills, your diplomatic skills, right? Absolutely. And I think it also points out, you know, during these meetings, you know, we have all these discussions, but there's a lot of behind the scenes work that and collaborations that are ongoing to reach consensus. And I think it was Cliff who mentioned earlier about how some issues get very intense. And we often, I mean, after an AMA meeting, you always see headlines about AMA votes to support this or not support this. And some of those votes are very close votes. I mean, it'll be 49 to 51%. So having a seat at the table and having broad representation from the various pathology organizations can make a huge difference when it comes to voting on some of these policies and positions. And could you provide some examples of initiatives or programs that the AMA has that pathologists should be aware of? Well, I'll, I'll speak. Um, at my own institution, I'm very big into physician wellness and well-being, which I think is a big topic right now. I, I chair the resident wellness committee, and I'm part of our institutional wellness committee as a whole in our system. And when I first came to the AMA, and since I've been there, I'm just really astonished and proud of the AMA and how much work they've put into physician wellness and physician burnout. Every year, there's and in every meeting we go to, there's at least you know a handful, if not more, resolutions trying to help physician well-being or decrease burnout. And uh, if you go to the AMA website, there is a page that's just dedicated with all these resources for uh, physician wellness. So th- th- that's one of the things I thought that may be uh, helpful to, you know, our our own physicians in our in our organization here at AACP. Absolutely. I, I was impressed at the uh, AMA's sort of uh, ongoing and, and real-time response to the demands of the pandemic. It put so many disparate demands on so many different medical practitioners. And I think they were unexpectedly kind of nimble in in their response and advocacy there, you know, that would touch pathology in different ways than it would touch other medical specialties. But they 
really tried to take a lead on, on, on having a voice in easing some of the supply chain challenges that we all uh, grappled with in, in lab medicine. They were very vocal, too, in trying to reform some state licensure laws and laws on telepathology and remote practice. Uh, there were all kinds of complications that came up that were pandemic related. If you're in one state, we really accelerated the ability of physicians to practice virtually across borders of states, which led to lots of ambiguity and challenges and licensure, things like that. And I think AMA gave a really honest and deliberate effort in trying to stay ahead of some of those pandemic-related issues. And I think that was helpful to pathology and lab medicine. I would echo what both Dr. Fenn and Sullivan have said. Both reducing physician burnout and supporting telehealth are components of the AMA's overall recovery plan for American physicians, which has, there's lots of information on the AMA website, but some of the other points that they tackle within this recovery plan are issues like fixing prior authorization, reforming Medicare payments, fighting scope creep, um, and then also reducing regulatory burdens within um, medical organizations. One other initiative that members may be interested in is the AMA Center for Health Equity, which the AMA began to work to embed health equity across the AMA organization. So it becomes part of the practice, process, action, innovation, and organizational performance and outcomes. And I think as ASCP, we've done a lot of work trying to incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion within our own organization. And it's exciting to see organizations like the AMA developing these centers for health equity and really trying to champion and move the needle on healthcare and equitable delivery of care amongst other issues. So what are some specific examples of how how ASCP's involvement in the AMA House of Delegates really serves the interests of ASCP members? Like if there is an initiative going on in pathology and laboratory medicine, how do we make that apparent and known to the AMA? I I think uh, Dr. Stahl, if I'm going to put her on the spot here, was uh, fairly instrumental in an issue regarding medical education and including lab medicine in medical education. That comes up from time to time, and it came up in a major report that was uh, that was discussed on the floor of the House of Delegates. And I think Dr. Stahl had a great voice in that process. And also that that added a great voice to pathology and lab medicine in the realm of medical education. And that, that issue is actually a really great example of kind of how things can work within the AMA when something arises. While I was a voice and kind of kept things going at the last annual meeting with regards to this reports and resolution, it actually originally started with pathologists and the resident and fellow section. They saw an opportunity or a gap in medical education training with regards to laboratory testing and appropriate ordering. And before one of the meetings, the resident and fellow pathology representation worked together to write a resolution describing the issues at hand and then making a recommendation for action by the AMA to improve or boost training regarding laboratory testing in medical schools. This generated a lot of discussion amongst the delegates within the RFS. And then later, in the House of Delegates, the RFS passed that resolution. So then it was discussed by the main House of Delegates of the AMA. 
And ultimately, the initial discussion led to the AMA Council on Medical Education studying the current state of laboratory testing, training, and medical school. And the council then put forth a very comprehensive report that shows, as we all are probably well aware of, shows a need to enhance training on appropriate laboratory testing and ordering and interpretation. And that ultimately resulted in modification of a current AMA policy to encourage additional emphasis in this area. So it really shows that if you see an issue that affects laboratory medicine, you can work together within pathology, but also bringing in stakeholders from other specialties. Pathology has worked across the board with other specialties when issues arise, whether that's radiology, surgeons, oncologists, we work together to put forth resolutions that are then discussed at the meeting. But as we mentioned before, not everything happens in the confines of those meetings. So even outside of the resolutions and reports that we discuss twice a year, when issues arise within the legislator, organizations work with each other to sign on to issues and support each other when things come up, for example, during COVID or recently with the Valid Act, kind of increasing that communication among specialties so that we have a stronger voice together. I love that, Jennifer. I think just to highlight that, pathologists working together with other specialties, you know, like we do in our practice. And if we don't speak up and have a voice, then we end up kind of being late to the party, right? Like we've all kind of had scenarios in our practice where maybe pathology was the last to know, or people didn't think to involve us in larger scale um, uh, questions or planning because we didn't seem to be impacted or at the forefront of it, but we always are, right? Every We touch every specialty, as we always say. And so it's great to hear how in the AMA, we're able to be proactive and be able to work in that sort of capacity. Absolutely. And then there are resolutions and reports and, and others that are directly generated from pathology and lab medicine. But there are others that, as you kind of allude to, Ali, that we really had no idea we're going on and suddenly we hear about this and it is sort of parallel to that process we sometimes see in hospitals and other places. I I remember a resolution years ago, it was put forth not by any pathology group, but it it was, I can't remember the medical specialty that was championing this, but um, they wanted to essentially relax all CLIA regulations for physician office labs because they just felt it was too much of a regulatory burden and any pathologist can sympathize with with easing regulatory burden. I mean, we none of us is a fan of, of regulatory burden. But when you really read the language of this, it was going to put physician office labs on a completely separate level of, of quality or potential quality and, and potentially put patients at risk with the lack of oversight in that quality. So the Pathology Section Council and the ACP delegation uh, spoke out to this, uh, to AMA. They took it to heart. Uh, The whole resolution was referred to the AMA Board of Trustees, and they decided that it it was not a good idea for these, you know, sort of parallel universes of regulation to be occurring in lab medicine. So sometimes we generate the resolutions and, and reports, and other times we react to ones that probably would not be in the best interest of our patients. And in this case, I think our voices were quite effective. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the one. With, uh, it was one specialty that used a uh, provider performed microscopy a lot. 
and they they're like, why do we have to abide by these like clear regulations for for the moderately complex testing? But yeah, as he said, we we spoke to its importance and why we should not. It was kind of interesting to see with that particular dialogue because we all got into full pathologist mode (laughs) and everything, all the discussions became very evidence-based. And we talked about the percentage of labs that comply with this and that, and you know how many labs that hold certificates of waiver were found to not be following appropriate instructions and you know things like that. So I think we were all proud of our sort of pathology nerdiness at that point, but it it certainly got the job done. And I remember one year I got to, uh, there was a resolution about blood donation and wanting to lax the restrictions and regulations around that. So as a blood banker, I was very excited to spouse my knowledge and share what I knew and the dangers of that. But something that we may not mention before, besides state delegates as well as specialty delegates, there are also representation from federal and governmental agencies that attend these meetings. So they all, all also have a vested interest in knowing what, you know, what policies we want to make that might affect healthcare as a whole. And how about patients? Is there representation from patients or is there a way for how do we like represent our patients that the laboratory serves best? I'm not sure if there's sort of a public member. I think there might be a public member of the board of trustees. I can't quite remember, to be honest with you. But um, I'm not sure there are patient advocates sitting in the House of Delegates beyond specialty and state uh, representation. But I do believe there are public voices. The floor of the House is not entirely closed. You know, you're not if you're not a voting member, you can't issue a vote, but they welcome the press and, you know, the public uh, it's it's not a just a broad you know wide open door. There is security and so on, but the uh, uh, the AMA will credential observers to see the proceedings and how the uh, the policies are being shaped and things like that. And while the delegates and alternate delegates, you have to be a physician or a medical student to be in the House of Delegates. We all part of the responsibility of what we're doing is to represent our patients and their interests. So I think that's a major responsibility that we hold. We're as ASCP delegates and alternates. We not only represent laboratory medicine and pathology, but we're representing our patients and issues that affect them and really looking for opportunities to improve care and the interaction between physicians and patients. And now with patients getting their pathology and laboratory results before even their physicians are, it opens up a whole new opportunity for us to really represent our patients and advocate for safeguards in terms of how things are delivered, how results are reported. So really a key component for us as delegates and alternates is to work with not just our physician colleagues, but our patients that we hear their concerns and we represent them within the House of Medicine. It's more important than ever for us to have those uh, patient and patient advocates who serve on our Commission for Science, Technology and Policy and some other commissions as well. So, you know, that's as a for ASCP that we're very mindful about doing that and providing that representation, which then feeds to you guys. So if someone is interested in the AMA, are there different ways one can be involved or is being a delegate the only option? Well, I mean, I'll speak to being a delegate. There are different ways to go about doing so. I mean, if 
every state has representation depending on you know its population and the members in their state uh, medical associations. So if you're in some state and you're really interested in the AMA, I'd recommend first joining your medical, your state medical organization. If you're not already part of it, they'll have the the seats and delegation spots for you to get involved in uh, your subspecialty group. ACP has it, I guess, uh, has our spots, but we spoke about it, but you, USCAP has representation in CAP has representation in um, the AMA. The Medical Examiner Association has uh, spots, ASC, the American Society of Pathology, as well as ASDP, the Dermpath. So there's lots of different organizations that have within pathology that have del- uh, spots in the in the AMA as delegates. Also, I think any AMA member can attend any AMA meeting and can at least observe the proceedings of the House of Delegates. Uh, AMA has lots of committees and uh, and commissions and other avenues to involvement. Many of these are elected by the House of Delegates, so it, it helps to get familiar with that process. But uh, as Dr. Sullivan was saying, a lot of it is getting involved first locally. A, lo- uh, a lot of states have county medical associations that then have delegates to their state dele- uh, state medical societies, which then can appoint or elect delegates to their AMA delegation from that state. So a lot of it starts locally. If you want to look to your county medical society or even locally to your own institution, there are certain both academic and non-academic institutions that will be very active in, in county medical societies and in turn in state medical societies, and then in turn AMA. So I think there are all kinds of levels of opportunity for involvement. And I would echo, that's it's absolutely true. There's so many grassroots efforts, and being involved with the state is an excellent way. There's actually several pathologists in the House of Delegates that are, they're through the specialty societies, but they're through their state societies, which is a great way to be involved. And just being an AMA member, you get access to various AMA meetings outside of the two meetings a year where we vote on resolutions. There's state and national advocacy meetings that any AMA member can be a part of. And as Dr. Finn mentioned, during the AMA meetings, any AMA member can testify during reference committees. So it's an excellent opportunity if that's something that you're interested in. I think kind of depends on your level of involvement that you want to be involved with. I, in We've talked a lot about a very intense process. So I don't want people to think you have to be an extrovert to be involved in this. I actually am very introverted and have had a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment through my AMA involvement. So I definitely encourage no matter what your level of training, your degree of interest, there is often a place to be involved within the AMA. So if we can ever, if any of us can help you in that journey, please reach out to us because we'd love to have more members involved and we can help you find an avenue to get involved depending on what your level of interest is. And even though the pathology section council is mostly composed of people within the pathology specialty societies, you know, there are pathologists and that are representing their states that come and they join our meeting. And so I would say I we open the door if you're if you're in Chicago in June and you're an AMA member, you can come to our pathology section council. 
And we'll talk about all the resolutions that are pathology focused or that we think might have a pathology lean to it and voice your opinion. You heard it here, folks. You got the official invitation to to show up, get involved. I think it's a great example of how we really are stronger together. It's only through the collaboration amongst not just pathologists and laboratory medicine, but across the whole house of medicine with patients, with other stakeholders in medicine that we can truly take on these really challenging issues within our healthcare system today and move the needle to improve care and the practice of medicine. It's an entire manifold of involvement, right? Exactly. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you so much for participating. This has been really informative and a great episode. I think we're going to be able to provide a lot of insight into what goes on with our AMA delegation through this podcast. I want to remind people to tell their colleagues about the podcast and to subscribe through their favorite podcast aggregator so you don't miss future podcasts. And as always, don't forget that you can receive CME and CMLE credit for listening to our podcast by looking for Inside the Lab in the ASCP store on our website at www.ascp.org.